First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? Chronologically, this is the podcast where myself and Eric... Hey, Jeff, how's it going? It's going great. We go through every single one of some of cinema's greatest... I've There there are people in Hollywood who do things that influence and create films. What we do is we take a look at one of those people and we go through their full filmography of feature-length films. My name again is Jeff, that's Eric, and we are in our third season. We're going through Mr. M. Night Shyamalan's back catalog... And we have weighed through the trenches and have come out the other side. Yay, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. The shadow of Shyamalan is over, (laughs) I think. Um, From here on, now at this point, I have now seen every Steve, uh, not every Steven Spielberg, every M. Night Shyamalan film, because I've seen all the rest of these. I have seen all of them except for the newest one, which I right. specifically have held off on for the sake of the podcast. That's um, very kind of you. I specifically watched it before we started the season so I could go ahead and watch it. Because if we started, then I would feel obligated to postpone my viewing, but I really wanted to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to see it too. It keeps popping up on all my video feeds, and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, I like it. Drax is right That's, there. I want to watch it. But- that's my spoiler for that. Anyway, so this week we watched The Visit from 2015. Uh, it stars no one of particular note other than Catherine Hahn, who I forgot was even in this movie. Um, yeah. uh, the, the, kids, Ox- the, kids, the kids in this movie, <clears throat> I looked them up afterwards, and I was honestly expecting to see that this was the only thing they've ever been in. Like that, Like, that's how they feel to me. And I'm not saying that because they're poor, because I think they're both like, excellent in this movie um but i just don't recognize them from anything else and they both actually have had quite good careers they're australian both of them and they come from the same town in australia it's just a coincidence that they were both cast um but they have both had really big careers in in television and film um and, and the 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 two older folks the other two leads i would say um uh, are are also well known just in other uh, circuits. So, like that, the woman is a big uh, Broadway performer, for example. So, like they all are uh, pretty seasoned uh, performers. But to just your average moviegoer, totally unrecognizable. Like I, you know, yeah. the only the only thing that I really clocked was that Pop Pop is the priest in the daredevil series the netflix daredevil series the one one who matt murdoch is always going to when he's all beat up and crying about life you know uh he goes to pop pop (laughs) pop pop gives him spiritual guidance yeah so uh what is your history with the visit yeah so i uh, okay so we were walking through the shadow of death in real time back then in 2015, you know, and it like the the reputation was sullied, the films were poor, you know, the 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 reviews were not great it, and I saw this trailer and it was the first one in a little while 
that had said, you know, written and directed by, and something about it just had me kind of going, huh, like this could, this could be it. This could be the one that's going to bring it all back around, you know, like just the, the trailer just really hit. And I was like, this is different. A found footage film. This is different. It feels I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see it. And so I, it was only PG 13. So I, I took my, my son's, uh, let's see, they would have been like 13 and 15 at the time. So like chef's kiss, perfect age for this film, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we went to see it at the theater and man, it worked like gangbusters. It was, it was just like the M night, you know, theater viewings of old with the crowd reacting and flipping out, you know, and, uh, all the big moments just really hitting hard and lots of laughs. And I mean, this was a really good time at the movies when it came out. Like it was good fun. And I immediately just started spreading the word like, Oh, you could eat like, it's good. No, really, really go check it out. Like it's actually good, you know? Um, so yeah, that's that was my experience, and then I've probably watched it a couple times since then. Uh, just whenever it would pop up on Netflix or whatever. How about nice. you? I don't think I saw it in theaters. I want to say I saw it on on demand or some sort of streaming service when it became available. Um, because again, I am a Shyamalan fan, and despite the Valley of the Shadow of Death, I generally speaking, if his name pops up on something, I'm still kind of interested. Um, but you, like you, I saw the trailer. I'm like, this, this looks good. This looks funny and weird and kooky and like scary even. Um, I, I want to watch this, this, this is good. Uh, what's kind of interesting. I think this is, well, I wouldn't even feel like after earth and, um, airbender i don't really feel like those are Shyamalan films right like i just you know they, they're there but to me this is like oh this is an m night Shyamalan film right um well yeah and it's, where, it's starting to like reading up on this film i kind of came to realize i mean we, we kind of discussed this a bit before but i kind of came to realize that he didn't really think that those were m night Shyamalan films either you know like like he was unhappy with how those two films turned out and the fact that the studios took them away from him and didn't give him final cut and you know chopped the shit out of the last airbender till it didn't make sense and um and so like you know like this was his return to form i think for himself as well as for audiences you know like that's that's the impression that i got like dude took a mortgage out on his house to pay for this film himself like couldn't afford a score so just said fuck it no score you know which (laughs) yeah and it's those things that sometimes just work right we talked about it on the village episode where they had to take out the stabbing sound to make it to, to hit that PG 13 and we all agreed on that episode and it made it better. And I think the lack of music here with the exception of two, like there's the very, very end, you actually get some music and it's not a score per se that was made specifically for the film. Uh, but it's that old timey music. Oh yeah. Yeah. She yeah, plays yeah, yeah. To be the, ironic. Right. Um, uh, yeah. And it just makes it feel like better found footage. And I think this is a really good found footage film. I'm generally speaking, not huge on them. Um, but because Shyamalan, a lot of his stuff 
is kind of shot like that anyway, where he'll put the camera on a shelf behind some cans, like that opening shot of Sixth Sense where she comes down the stairs into the basement. That camera's on a shelf behind some cans, and it kind of just works for him, right? Like, I don't feel like it's that far of a stretch for his cinematography to fit in a uh, found footage film. Yeah, I, I, I put a note down that this is the cleanest and most beautiful found footage film I think I've seen. Like, there are some really, really beautiful shots, like exteriors of the farm, you know, and the moon and so on. And the idea is that the kids are out there capturing B footage, you know, like they, they actually say in the script, like, Hey, we're going to go outside and film, <laughs> you know, we need some yeah. more material, you know? And, uh, it, so as a result, like they found ways to really like add some, some beauty and structure to the film. And, and then, you know, the, the conceit is that the kids have filmed all this film and now they have edited it into this, this thing. Um, which is where the music comes in at the end, which I thought was just a delightful touch because by the time it kicks in, I had forgotten about it from earlier, Yeah, you know? Um, and I don't know, like, like that conceit really works in this case. And there's very little of what you usually have. Like I call the Blair witch shots, which is just like running through the woods and it's sticks and dirt and sticks and dirt and sticks and dirt. And it's blurry and a hot mess, you know, like yeah. there's, there's, there's some action, but like when somebody is going up the stairs car- carrying the camera, you can see that they carefully planned the shot so that you can tell the person is going up the stairs, right? You, yeah. know, you see the stairs and so on. Like it's all uh, meticulously planned, but not to the point where it removes it. Like it pulls you out of the film and you think, oh, no way the kids shot this in the moment. You know, there's none yeah. of that, none of that stuff where you're like, ah, they wouldn't have got this shot. You know, it, there's really a lot of shots of them putting the camera somewhere. Right. And they were smart to have two cameras and that the movie shows you there's two cameras. Yeah. So you can see them setting up the cameras and even the shot where they're having the interview near the end of the film, there's a camera behind Nana and there's a camera behind the girl. And, you know, it just, it's kind of make sure that it keeps that narrative that this is a, a documentary that this kid is filming. Right. So let's talk a little bit about found footage films. I'll just list them off and you give me the thumbs up, thumbs down. Blair Witch Project. I think it's a thumbs up because it was some students in the woods shooting some shit and it was a phenomenon. And I think it created the genre. I mean, there's probably things before it, but none of them hit like Blair Witch as a film. I've never watched it again, not because it's too scary, but because I, why is that guy in the corner? I'm bored, you know, but I think because of its impact on the industry, and essentially being the great grandfather of it and the fact that it wasn't made by a big studio, you got to give it a thumbs up and at least watch it once. Agreed. Uh, paranormal Activity. Never seen it. Oh, my God, dude, really? You're going to say another one here in a moment that I've never seen and you're going to be upset with me. Cloverfield? Never seen it. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Nope. I've not seen it. Oh, you're killing me. Uh, I knew how about that? That was next. Any of the VHS films? Have you watched any of those? Nope. Oh man, I don't really do found footage much. Uh, those are fun. Those those are really fun. They're like anthology. I mean, I probably should watch the first Paranormal Activity, and I should watch Cloverfield. Don't don't watch the first Paranormal Activity because it'll fuck you up. 
Oh, will it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary. Okay. Like even even to this day, it's pretty scary. Like the sequels are not as scary, but the the first one is like hardcore demon scary. You know? Oh like yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not it's not to be trifled with. Uh, that that movie. I think I've said it on the podcast before. Got the biggest reaction I've ever seen in the theater. Like people actually got up out of their seats and like ran up the aisle. Like it it has one jolt moment that just like bugged people the fuck out. Nice. Yeah. I can't. So is it a jump scary movie? I mean, no, it's not at all yeah. a jump scary movie. It is like a creeper mood movie. Um, and and when things happen, they're very small. You know, like you're you're just you're staring at a still frame. And you're staring, and you're staring, and you're waiting for it, and then something small happens, and everybody's like, "Ah!" You know, uh, but at the end, it kind of ramps up a little bit, and that's that's when people like freaked out. Um, okay, okay, so like you're obviously not a big found footage guy. I think I am more of a found footage guy than you are, although not necessarily a fan of the genre. I don't seek them out. I will happily watch them. You know, it's not it's not something that will dissuade me from watching a film. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and I do like those VHS movies. I think they're a hoot. You've mentioned them to me before. So I, at some point I maybe need to check them out. I, um, dang, what was I going to say? I just, I, I think the found footage thing is, doesn't appeal to me because of the born identity, which seems weird, but shaky cam, I don't like it. I like seeing what's on screen and, even this movie has some moments where they're going up the stairs and it's the panic shot where they're not really care. They're holding the camera and it's shaking and stuff um, that I'm like, I'd rather see the movie, but at the same time you need to keep the element of this is found footage. Oh, um, another uh, Chronicle. Oh, Chronicle that's, a, is that's good. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Chronicle. a real good one. I, I, that's so good. I forget that it's a found footage film. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, yeah. Like I love Chronicle. Yeah, I need to check that out again. Boy, that guy's career tanked. Holy shit. Yeah, I feel bad, but also he seems like a dick, but that movie was so good. I agree. That I'm like, I I really wanted to see more out of him. Yeah, me too. Well, maybe he'll circle back around at some point. You never know. He'll pull a Shyamalan and come back. Life is long. People get second chances. So So, um, if you're not familiar, the movie starts off with Catherine Hahn telling you that she's estranged from her parents and that the kids are going to go visit the grandparents um, and send them on a train and, and, and just go visit. And mom's not coming with because her relationship with them is so severed that she, while she trusts them, she even says they're good people, uh, but she just doesn't that want to deal with the reconciliation of of the parents yeah the key the key here is that the kids have never met the grandparents that's how severed the relationship is that the kids have never met their grandparents so this is not only a visit but a a meeting as well the grandparents are fulfilling their dream of meeting and spending time with their grandchildren so of course the grandchildren arrive after an amusing train ride and a, a funny train conductor guy <laughs> who makes me laugh I, every time. I love the the whole, oh, I was somewhat of an actor myself. It happens a couple times and I'm like, and then they start in on Shakespeare. He says, my battery needs the charge. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, and they meet the grandparents. They go to the grandparents' home and the grandparents, like I, I, I kind of forgot how quickly this movie gets started. Almost immediately the grandparents start acting kind of kooky, right? 
and I, I'm, I'm just assuming that everybody who is who's listening to this has watched and, and knows the, the deal here but uh it's it's the spoilers very, the very first <laughs> night that grandma is like hurling chunks <laughs> Like no, for, she was doing the Nerotu run, right? Or no, that, that was the second. Called? That was the second that was night. Second that night. Was the second night. Yeah. Oh, right. She threw up the first night. The first right. night, she was like projectile vomiting all, all over the first floor. And the second night is when she starts running around. And the second day, I think, is when she chases them around underneath the porch, like in the crawl space. I'm uh, gonna get you. I love yeah. that. <laughs> like so running stupid. like a dog underneath. It's she looked like from a horror movie. You know the the hair draped over her face, like the girl from the ring. You know. Oh yeah, totally. And I th- I think she she is the key element that sells this movie. Right, like the kids are fantastic and they're funny, and and Pop Pop is good and appropriately weird. But she is then, a freaking lunatic, and yeah. and she absolutely sells it like in the day she's smiling grandma you know like at first she's just like a normal smiling grandma but as it goes on she gets more and more like demented but at night she's like flat out nut job you know running around the house with the knife on her hands and knees naked but naked scraping the walls <laughs> slamming yeah. the doors bashing her head against the walls like just and the game like crazy. i'm blind <laughs> Yeah, she's crazy. It, what I like about the da- the pop pops performance is that a lot of times he's the calming, like for the most of the film, he's like, "Oh, you, your grandma, she's dealing with this," and he tries to be really calm. Um, and then it, it starts to turn slower and slower. But she definitely takes the sharper turn towards, um, something being wrong here. Yeah, for sure. It kind of struck me like I, I hadn't really thought about it in depth before watching it previously, but it kind of struck me that maybe what we're seeing here is their meds slowly wearing off, right? Because they they have escaped. That's a great point. They've escaped the, I don't know, the asylum, the, the hospital, whatever you want to call it, and killed the grandparents and taken their place. And, and Spoilers you know, again. Yeah, and at first That's they're... That's the twist. They're kind of holding it together a lot more to the point where the visit is almost pleasant at first, you know, but then as it goes on, there's a a definite deterioration, you know, that takes place with both of them. You know, like he he starts breaking down more too, talking about his uh, the white thing with yellow eyes that he would see running around the factory and dressing up to go to the costume party. And like just like they're so nuts. It's so great, and it's so funny that the first time you're watching it, you have no idea. You're like, "What is going on?" Like they are so crazy, you know. And it's all right there. Like it's kind of like the Sixth Sense, where you're watching right. it now, and you're like, "How did I not get? Like, how did That's I not I got catch this on time?" This? Yeah, I was like, "How did I not pick up?" So my buddy Jason. Had saw the movie. He didn't. He doesn't like this, but that's because he he picked it right away. He as soon as they got off the train, he's like, "They're not their grandparents." Like he knew it, and he from then it like ruined the movie for him or whatever. But for me, I didn't get it right, and then it happened. I'm like, "Oh shit," you know. And maybe I should have, you know, uh, because there's all the th- all the talk of like, "Hey, uh, are they here?" No, they're out taking a walk. That's always convenient. And then they're like, oh, well, they haven't been to the the facility lately where they work. And you're just, uh, it just glosses right over you. And even 
as a seasoned Shyamalan watcher, the first time I'm watching it, none of that clicks. I'm not in the mindset of looking for the twist. And I, I prefer that. I prefer to not go in being like, there it is. You know, um, that way when it does come, I get that thrill, even if it is really kind of obvious at this point, you know, like these ain't them. Like there's so many times where, oh, we can't show you the grandparents. The the There's gunk on the camera, which I have a story about that. Um, and we can't get it off. And it's like, oh, I should have seen that. Well, yeah, but I mean, the way it's set up, like first viewing, like it's hard to remember. It was eight eight years ago, but I remember thinking, like, are they werewolves? Is she a werewolf? <laughs> Is she a werewolf? And he's like protecting her. Like, are they aliens? Like, you know, <laughs> you just don't know, right? You just have no idea. And I also did not look for the twist. Like, it, the the film itself is so amusing and funny and engaging in the moment that I didn't spend a whole lot of time like thinking about. It. I was just entertained, you know. Right. So, like you, when it hit, I did have that like, oh, like the twist really worked for me with this one, you know. And uh, yeah, I <laughs> but yeah, re- remembering back, like you just, you just. Don't know. Like you were in the dark and now in retrospect, it seems so obvious because they're so nuts, you know? Yeah. Um, some of the stories that, that grandma tells, um, you know, when she's sitting there laughing to keep the, the darky darkles away or the darkle, whatever she says. And right. then, and then the story she tells about, you know, the water and there are alien creatures in the water and the people that go in the water don't die. They just go to sleep and they've got a bunch of people at the bottom and they're going to take them back to this magical planet and all of this, like clearly an insane person. Right? Yes. But I think because it's been so long since Catherine Hahn's seen them, we can, it's not that big of a leap that their real grandparents would have some mental deficiencies now that maybe they've developed over time. Right, exactly. And so, like, none of that caught me. I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, and they kind of they kind of hint around too, because the one woman says, "Then you you know, I know your grandmother hasn't been feeling herself lately." Yeah, da 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 da. And so, like, there's groundwork laid there that it could be the actual grandparents who are, you know, deteriorating. Right. And the constant excuse is, "Well, they're old. They're exactly. old, honey." Right. <laughs> Um, so they, they, what, what I was talking about with the camera on their laptop, there's like this gunk on it. Right. And they, she says, Hey, you know, she got flour dough on it and then tried to wipe it off with this cleaner and it just gummed it up. Um, that's real scientifically because I did a phone system at a pizza place. And, and if you've ever been to a pizza place, there's dough and flour everywhere. And so we were, my dad was like, Hey, clean this phone up. So I get it back and I'm put the cleaner on and it literally bound the buttons, the plastic of the buttons to the plastic of the case. So you couldn't push them and it just gunked everything up. So I found that to to be amusing that there was a little science behind that. (laughs) Really? Someone, yeah, that whole, like not being able to get it off because the chemicals of the cleaner reacted with like the yeast or whatever and just made it stick like cement that's no real. kidding that's interesting yeah. yeah because that's like one piece of the movie that i've always kind of rolled my eyes at like just get a screwdriver and pry that shit off of there but no because okay. it, it it binds like with my experience it melted the plastic of the phone 
and then it kind of bound it all together so I couldn't push the I ruined that phone you know <laughs> it wow, was done no kidding so That's... I was like ah cool I wonder if that's something that maybe happened to them in life and someone was like oh you know if you do this but though the only problem with that still is that grandma, I think she did it on purpose and she'd have to have foreknowledge of this chemical reaction that would right. happen um, if well, she actually tried to put cleaner on it or whatever. We don't know. Maybe grandma was a chemist before she put her totally. kids in a suitcase and threw them in the lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> totally. Chemists go insane too. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I, I think the way it all kind of comes together at the end is pretty spectacular. Um, man. So uh, another note I made, this is the funniest film so far in his catalog. And it's also the meanest, like this movie gets mean at the end. Like no joke. It's fucked up. Like I watched, I watched it in the face, right? Yeah. I, mean, I watched yeah. it in two settings. And after I watched the first half, cause I was kind of like thinking, Oh, maybe I'll have my daughter watch this. She's 10. And I watched the first half and I went to my wife and I was like, ah, she would have been fine. Like, it's funny. Like these kids are charming and funny and the, the grandparents are just kooky and crazy. And you know, it's not that bad. And then I watched the second half and I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, it really, it really goes crazy at the end. And it, it it struck me like how willing again i think i i made the the same uh observations uh when we were watching um bruce willis and sam jackson unbreakable yeah uh how how willing he is to put some mean shit on the screen you know like the scene the scene where the uh janitor guys throwing the beer on the dead lady you know um this this struck me as just as rough as that like the scene where the boy is frozen and pop pop goes around the corner and takes off his diaper and shoves it in the kid's face not and yet- he comes up and he goes you have a problem with germs don't you like they let you know he's fully aware that this is the worst thing you could do to this kid and the camera unrelentingly shows him open the diaper and you see all the gunk in there right like it's not shot from the side like there was a bit of like me looking back thinking back i thought that was shot from the side me too and so right and then when i'm watching it this time that's not the case it's shot from behind the boy's head so you see the diaper open up all the briskets in there and he just right in the face and unceremoniously yeah and he whispers like i never liked you oh yeah (laughs) the kid is like god damn and then he takes becca and he locks her in uh in the bedroom with werewolf grandma and she's in there you know (laughs) galloping around and like going insane and you know just doing her scratching the walls nut job thing and uh Becca ends up taking her out. I forgot about this with a shard of glass. Like the I way they too. take these parents, these grandparents out is hardcore, man. <laughs> like like, like it, it tries, it does just enough to not hit that R rating, right? Like it I, shows yeah, the death off screen of pop pop, you know? And, and watching it this time, I was kind of like, how did they avoid that R? Like just conceptually, it feels like an R when the grandma is laying on top of Becca and she's shoving that piece of glass into her neck and the blood's going in her mouth. And I'm like, God damn, how did they get away with this? Like, <laughs> yeah. like admittedly the blood is minimal, but like it is, it, it's pretty real, you know, like it feels pretty real in the moment. And then, you know, <laughs> when the boy freaks out, when T diamond stylist freaks out and smashes, oh. 
<laughs> smashes Pop Pop's head in the fridge over and over again, Kingpin style. Another Daredevil yeah. reference. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty hardcore, man. Pretty hardcore. <laughs> I guess any other fucking bug shit crazy people around here. <laughs> so, so excellent it's so excellent and like cathartic it's just great i, 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 really, I, I agree really with this movie the cathartic part because when he does that and he flips out and he protects his sister and uh you know kills him in the refrigerator door i'm like i love this movie like i was a little worried going back in that my memories of it are uh you know sort of like oh thank god M. Night Shyamalan's back but it's still great I mean, I just have so much fun watching it. It's endlessly funny. Like even the stuff that's not, I I don't know if that's intentional sometimes, but like the, would you mind getting in the oven to clean? Like that pause there is so deliberate and you're like, that was in the trailer. And that made me like, this looks funny. Like he's got a sense of humor to this weird movie that's going to be dark and about mental illness and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's dark about mental illness. A lot of fun. So on yeah. that note, like you, I think you're probably aware. I, I was aware uh, that when this movie came out, there was a backlash from people saying that it was depicting, you know, people with mental illness in a dark and violent way, as though they all, you know, were these horrible werewolves, you know, head bashing wall scratchers. Um, yeah. how, how do you, what's your reaction to that? So I, uh, I don't have anyone in my life that really deals with severe mental illness like them, but my counterpoint to that would be that the two children have mental illness to a milder extent. Their trauma from their dad leaving has left it where she doesn't ever look in the mirror. She can't even look at herself. Their self-esteem is damaged. And, of course, the boy has the problem with the germs. They even show you, hey, there wasn't any tissue in the bathroom that's on my hands. I can feel it. You can't see it, but I can feel it. And so my argument to that would be here they are, right, dealing with not as severe as a mental problem, definitely something more based in trauma and everything else. Whereas I think that Papa and Mima have a chemical imbalance. Um, but for me, I was not offended, but I don't have any reason to be anyway. You yeah. know, like I don't think that if anything, you could say, Hey, they're my, like you said, they're mild mannered in the day when everything's fine. Their drugs haven't worn off yet. They're quite pleasant. I really like the moment where he T diamond raps and grandpa's like, Oh oh, yeah. Like it just felt (laughs) wholesome, you know, like the normal, I just get this idea that some older white guy would be like, don't rap in my house, but he was just excited about it. And there was something wholesome there. So I, I personally didn't get offended. Yeah. I, I feel like, like the idea that these two people represent all patients with mental illness is a little, you know it's a little bit of a reach like it's already established that that grandma i mean it's not already established it's established in the film that she has killed people you know and it could be far in the distant past and she could have been an ideal patient ever since then and become like a trustee at the at the mental illness facility you know both of them could have been ideal patients but that doesn't change the fact that you know way back she killed people, you know, and, and therefore, uh, you know, like, 
had violence in her already. Nothing says that a serial killer can't get dementia, right? And that doesn't change the fact that they're a serial killer. Um, and so and that's, there are that's... people who have mental illness that resorts in violence. It's a real thing. Yes. And I don't, like you said, feel that the film shows everyone's that way, right? You know, um, are we saying we need scenes at the hospital with perfectly, you know, gentle people with mental illness? You know, I did, then what are we doing? You know, like, I feel like the story specifically is about two people who have violent mental issues. And that, like, I don't want to watch a movie about people who don't really, unless it's like heartwarming and, you know, like, hey, they're, you know, it's a different story at that point. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, hey, if you get a movie about a serial killer who's, Maybe um, I'm trying to think of what's his name, the Night Stalker. He's Hispanic. And you're like, oh, you're showing all Hispanic people as serial killers because, well, no, Richard Ramirez was Hispanic and a serial killer. You know, it's like that's what the story is. It's about these two. It's not about the whole community of people with mental illness. So, yeah, it might have been the tone that people like objected to. But, yeah, that could be. I, I there was am, some funny like the moment when they're playing Yahtzee and he's like, damn it, stop shaking all the dice. You're going to lose us the game. Like he was so mad. <laughs> so yeah, the whole Yahtzee se- sequence is great. And when she turns to the camera and yeah. screams Yahtzee. That got me. I'm like, oh, shit. There were a couple <laughs> jump scares, like the jump scare with the hidden camera in the living room when she pops up. Got me. Totally forgot about it. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, because uh, she's frightening. She's very frightening. She, like she is scary as shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't ever get that frightening, right? Like he doesn't. It always feels like he's still in control, Papa, of himself, right? Like even with the diaper thing, and he's like, "I never liked you." He doesn't do it in a frenzy, right? And right. she is very much in a frenzy, and right? She's terrifying. Like he's <laughs> deliberate. He's deliberate in his menacing ways, and she yeah. is like. Which makes him, like, she's out of control, whereas he, like, knows what he is doing, you know? Yeah, like, to an like extent, he, you know? Like, that is a deliberate the of torture the film, of he's that like, kid. Hey, we wanted to have this weekend, this perfect week for her. Like, this for him is, and he even says, we're all dying today, right? Like, that's his plan the whole time. He has the forethought of saying, we're going we're gonna to kill these grandparents we're going to spend a week with the kids and before they go home we're going to kill all of us and like that's someone who has a, a, a at least enough mental capacity to formulate a plan right yes so, he has he has the deep darkies for sure yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty twisted plan <laughs> it's a messed up plan but it makes for a good film so do you think the mom Catherine Hahn do you think she's a shitty mom? No. You think not she's at all. a good mom? Yeah, I think so. I think that she has her own damage, right? And I've never been able to do this, but I know plenty of people who send their kids, you know, on a train or a flight, you know, um, on their own to go see who, you know, grandparents or whatever. So I have no problem with that. I've never been able to do it, but, you know. Did you ever go on a trip like that? Mm mm. 
No. I did. I did go on a trip like this. And I didn't I never thought of it in connection to this film until I was thinking about it this morning. And then I was like, holy shit, I've done this. I've done the visit. This is like so when I was uh probably a freshman in high school, so I was around fourteen, a friend of mine had an aunt who moved away to Pennsylvania. I live in Ohio, so that's a state or two away. Mm-hmm. And uh she married this guy and we hadn't seen her for a year or two and our parents just put us on an Amtrak train and sent us there to go stay with her and this dude that we had never met before. And uh, so it was like, oh God, it was an overnight that train. That I would not do, right? Yeah, it was crazy. It's like, like now that I'm an adult, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, that was nuts. That was a crazy thing to do. Not to mention the aunt, little, little kooky, like... I want to, this is not dangerous or unstable. Little kooky. So we like, really didn't know what we were getting into. We took this long ass train trip, you know, and then ended up like with this stranger in his house for like three or four days. And it turned out totally fine. His name was Chuck. He was super cool. He was kind of rich. He lived in a mansion. We loved it. Like it was a blast. <laughs> yeah. But the point is we went in not knowing what we were getting into. You know, same thing when I was an exchange student. Go, we were like, uh, we flew over. We were in Moscow for three days all together as a group, 15 students. And then we flew to Volgograd, the city that we stayed in. And then there were just strangers there that took us all home individually, right? So you just got in a car with some strangers, not knowing where you were going. And went to their house to live for a month, right? It was and it a was a different time, buddy. And you, you were in a different ass country, <laughs> like on the other side of the world, right? And uh, luckily, none of them turned out to be psycho either. You know, the majority of people are not psycho killers, right? But nonetheless, like I've been in the situation where you're like going to stay with somebody that you don't know. You know, yeah. and it can be very disconcerting and you're trying to be gracious like these kids and make the best of it. And sometimes things feel a little kooky. Like I remember like on the exchange, some of the kids were like they had issues. Uh, I think. Have I told the story on the podcast about how none of us knew where the bathroom was? Yes, you have. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Go same. back and listen to the terminal episode. Yeah, same same trip. Some kids came to school crying because they felt like, you know, the people they were staying with didn't wash the dishes enough, right? That's the dishes because everybody, you know, lives in their own home. They have their own way of doing things. And we we're going into strangers' homes, and these kids did not approve of the dish yeah. doing, you know, and, and felt like they were being forced to eat off dirty dishes. So, yeah, it is, it's an interesting dynamic. Like, I, one that I will probably never put my children into having done it myself you know like like yeah. it, it was funny kind of watching these kids try to like make the best of it as grandma's running around the house naked at night you know <laughs> like it's just it's just sundowning t diamond stylus like yeah you can read about it right here i don't know it's funny but back to your question if i think she's a bad mom i don't think so i think the fact that her kids or at least her daughter cares enough about her to be like, mom, go have fun with your man. You deserve it. We'll go and spend time with grandma. And the fact that then she's seeking forgiveness from the grandparents for her mother on her mother's part tells me that that kid is pretty well adjusted and cares a lot about her mother. And it doesn't. So no, I think that, uh, and what is the likelihood 
that your grandparents will be killed and replaced by two uh, unstable grandparents. That is very true. Right. It just like, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, yeah. So, Something. no, I think she's uh, – and then as soon as, you know, they're in trouble, she's out the door, right? That is she's true. Out. As soon she's as she knows. I just, I just felt like it kind of took her a little while to, like, give credence to their concerns, right? But she's on the boat. She's kind of drunk. She's on the cruise. And the kids are like, you know, Nana and Pop Pop are kind of fucked up. And she's just like, ah, I'm on the boat. They're old. <laughs> They're old. And Everything is fine. That would have been even more scary, though, because, like, if she's on the boat. Here's a couple things. All right. So if she's on the boat and she can't go to get her kids because you can't you're stuck on the boat yes uh would be more scary but there's a couple things i've never been on a cruise but i know someone who goes on a lot of when you're on that boat you do not get cell signal i don't know how the hell they touch base with the mainland you just from my understanding you can't there's no that's part of the appeal of these cruises um and i guess grandma and grandpa had wi-fi so I guess yeah yeah they, <laughs> the there's wide, some shot like, of them like plugging the phone cord into oh, their computer right. so maybe they have That's a gadget true. of some sort where they can get on like old school they have but a, the picture that ran through that old ass house the That's picture more they're getting off of uh off of the phone cord is like I, I just assumed they were on dial up they had some like okay crazy maybe that's it then dial up yeah grandma connection. and grandpa have dial up but there's no way you're getting hd video on a 56k app you know that's the best option um exactly but come on it, m night boom even if two even stars if, as someone who's done telco for most of my adult life telecom uh you wire an old ass house you can't anyway that's neither here nor there but i found that if i had to point at something to be unbelievable those would be the two things mainly that you can't contact anyone from a cruise that i'm aware of yeah uh, one more point against cruises for me man i do not understand the appeal of cruises like i I, just do not get it sounds fucking horrible tiny rooms can't get off no contact with the outside ship could sink like storms come i saw the footage last year of that boat with all that water sloshing around in there and like pulling all the shit tables running down the walls. shit running down the walls yeah, <laughs> yeah. crazy like no way I, because we dead disease right. runs so, rampant everybody pukes all the time like no absolutely not my wife very much agrees and does not have any interest on going on a cruise i i kind of had a mild interest um and even the small rooms don't bother me that much and the i think the appeal is that you're at this place where everything's already paid for except for like harder liquor and you wake up in the morning with nothing to do and you just go out oh i'm on the i'm on the uh, on a boat out in the middle of nowhere no one's messing with me i don't have to worry about calls from my boss or anyone else and i think there's that's the appeal to me but also all the things you said um are not appealing to me uh and those rooms are very small like yeah. even the big rooms i <laughs> my buddy got married on a boat and I brought his bags to his room. I'm like, good God. <laughs> it's like uh, if you've ever been in a motorhome, it's very similar to that. It, like the bedroom is smaller than what was in my dad's motorhome. And the bathroom is like the same size as a motorhome bathroom. Yeah, there's zero appeal to that to me. Like if I were to go, like if I won and I won like a big old suite and could go like a Mac, then I would go. Like I, I went. It'd to have the, to be Disney though. Like I, the other ones, I don't trust. Like 
You never hear Disney shit running down the walls. Oh, just no, but carnival. there have been like like terrible stomach norovirus sweeps through Disney ship and everybody oh, okay. hurls all over everybody else. Uh, last weekend, I went to uh, the Ohio State football game, which is I do not do. I'm not a football fan, you know, but uh, my buddy had some bomb ass tickets. And so we went and he happened to have tickets uh he works for a law firm and so they were in like the super hoity-toity area where they have like fantastic restaurant level food that you can get and there's like a lounge that you can go hang out in you know and and uh the bathrooms are like spacious and super clean and i was like this is it this is like if i'm coming back this is how i'm coming back like i'm fuck being a peasant I'm not going to go sit in those shitty seats anymore. <laughs> I'm going to come back and, and do it like this. And that means I'm only coming back if somebody buys me seats because I'm kind of a peasant. Right. right? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about the ship. Like, I'll go if I can go, you know, and Diddy's paying for it. <laughs> like I get a big old suite on a yacht. Like, that seems okay. Like, but just going and paying like $10,000 to be in this little shitty room for 14 days no thanks like it does not appeal and then of course the ship sinks and there's no room on the door like i know how it goes down i know how it goes down (laughs) i've seen titanic yeah Yeah. um but what were we talking about other than cruises um we were we were talking about the visit so like okay oh right we kind of agreed that this is a a return to form for our boy right like yeah absolutely this this is a fun Horror and my I I'm not big, like I like horror movies, but I like fun horror movies. I don't like ones that really want you to feel shitty afterwards. Like I don't do that. That's not for me. Yeah. Um, I like fun. I like I like a good jump scare. I like creepy, spooky stuff in the background. Like I started watching the house, the fall of the house of Usher. Oh, I and love those. Like, Mike Flanagan, the, man. Oh, when are he, we going to do Mike Flanagan chronologically? I put it on the list when I was watching it because Midnight Mass is one it's of the- It's the best! Oh, it's, it's so good! It's one of the best tales of faith I've ever seen. It I'm rivals, 100% down for Mike Flanagan Yeah, it's on the list. It, okay, okay, uh, okay. It, it, to me, jumps over signs in a way of how it illustrates faith among people- of different faiths and lack of anyway, Midnight Mass is amazing. You should watch it. it's on Netflix. I just started Midnight Club uh, because I've been watching Fallout Usher. With also, my friend. very good. Not on the same level, but very, very good. Yeah, I um, never got through Bly. Is Bly good? Uh, it's the least of them, I think. Right, but it's right. still good. But but when you get done with Midnight Club, and this is a public service announcement for all of our listeners, uh, go and just Google like Mike Flanagan Midnight Club season two because. I don't know if you're aware of this going into it and it's no reason to not watch it, but the show was canceled after one season and he wrote up a thing and gives great detail on what the season season two would have been and wraps up all the stuff for you. It's fantastic. It's well worth the read. We're down a tangent, but I have to ask, is it a cliffhanger at the end of one? Is it a full story? It is not a cliffhanger. It is a full story. Okay. But there are still some like story tendrils. Loose ends are fine. Yeah. But loose I ends. don't. I don't want it to be like. And then this door opens and then it cuts away. And it's, you're like, oh, who's behind the door? I will say that in my mind, it's so good, like all of his things are, that I was anxiously awaiting the next season. Yeah. You know. And then when they announced two days later that they were going to cancel it because Netflix is dicks. Um. 
yeah. Anyhow, you know, midnight we're, mass. We're, midnight mass. Uh, so um, you uh, talked about this boy's rap. You've mentioned his name, T Diamond Stylus. T Diamond which Stylus, is an incredible rapping name. <laughs> so good. Um, it is exactly the sort of thing a 14-year-old would name themselves. And then, and then you're kind of like, you know, that's half brilliant. Like, <laughs> I, I like the it. name. It has some. <laughs> I kind of love it. Like, because, you know, Mike Diamond from Beastie the Boys. legendary yeah. Beastie Boys uh, throws stylus on there, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it. Yeah. But we are going to get to a rapping name in the very near future that will deserve a much longer discussion in just a few films of a rapper whose name I'll save until we watch the film. Okay, cool. Do you remember? Um, no, I don't remember. Oh, you will when we get there. It's the worst rapping name I've ever heard. Makes T-Diamond stylus, well, sound as good as it is. I like uh, El, pa- El Pacino from, uh, <laughs> from Tropic Thunder. That's always a good one. That one makes me laugh. <laughs> like A-L-P-A space C-H-I-N-O, Pacino. El Pacino. Um, yeah, okay, so- not Florida. I'm from Florida. I'll put a space here. <laughs> Knucklehead. Anyway. Um, I just wanted to talk about what I, I what I took from this movie as far as the theme goes, and mm-hmm. see see if you uh, agree with me or not. But I was thinking about it this morning, and I was trying to like put together like if there is something to be drawn from this movie, what a, what the theme could be, and I came up with breaking free like freeing yourself from whatever is holding you back. And in particular, I was thinking in terms of our boy T stylus and how he gets that freezy, like he freezes when he is supposed to be taking action. Like he freezes up. Right. And he finally has this moment of catharsis where he breaks free from that Mm -hmm. and is able to overcome you know, this mental block, this obstacle that's holding him back and uh, achieve what could be called a moment of greatness. It's a killing an old man, but, you know, like he's also uh, saving his sister. It's and, a moment like, of greatness. Their yeah. lives were threatened and he reacted in an appropriate fashion, I think. Yeah. And then, over, you know, how many horror movies do you watch were like, hit him again? And they don't. I'm thinking specifically the second. Uh, in the trilogy of the most recent Halloween films where oh. they've got him beaten to the ground. You're like, hit the guy again. Yeah, keep going. Just Shoot keep him. going. Like, why are you stopping? It's Mike Myers. <laughs> Through the eyeball. Let's have right. it. You know, yeah. Uh, and then uh, over the end credits, there's that that song, No Man Will Hold Me Down. Da, 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 da. And it made me think that perhaps uh, Mr. M. Knight himself had some things to say and get off his chest and... Uh, you know, perhaps this film kind of is his way of breaking free from the Hollywood system. You know, like he he produced this independently, like 100% independently, uh, shopped it around. No Hollywood studios would touch it, which is madness. Uh, and then Blumhouse, um, Jason Blum, I think his name is, Blumhouse picked it up and uh, got him dist- distribution through Universal. And, uh, and then going forward, as far as I can tell, um, similarly works on a very low budget, you know, free from Hollywood constraints, uh, went down that path, didn't like it, and is now broken free. This is his wheelhouse, though. This right. is where he belongs. This is this, this is this dude remembering who he is, where he belongs, and what he does well, 
and just going for it, just throwing it at the wall, man. And I, I absolutely appreciate it in that context. Like, not only is it a good movie, but it's like a very appreciated return to form you know like like you just want to give him a pat on the back like yeah dog you got it yes you figured it out you're back you're doing the thing you're good and at, you gotta you know? think he was having fun making this one right it's funny it's kooky and like i just gotta see him smiling the whole time you know I'm oh doing yeah what just, I love. Like, just giggling at some of the shit like, yeah. like, like okay now you turn around and your butt's hanging out <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> kind of just like laughing to himself i read that he made three cuts of this film and uh one of them was like just a straight horror film and one of them was like a very funny version so it was almost like a straight comedy and then he finally settled on this tone uh which is a mix of the two and i feel like he absolutely landed on what this movie needed to be because if it was just straight horror um a lot of the appeal would be gone. Like the, the charm of these kids is a lot of what makes this movie work, you know? Uh, so yeah, just the idea of like working through that, figuring out your, you know, your comfort, your area of comfort, you know, like your area yeah. of success, uh, and then executing on that mm, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Like I, I, I can't speak highly enough. It's not like this is the greatest movie ever made, but on that level, I really, really appreciate it. Right, and not everything needs to be, right? Sometimes I I appreciate someone who pumps a fun summer film into my lap. Yep. I totally on board with that. And, and I, I will say for my sons, who I took to see this movie, this was their first M night, you know? Like, they... Then, then we went back and watched, you know, Signs and Sixth Sense and so on, but this is what sold them on M night. And this is, this is the... And then, you know, then Split came out, and they were like, oh, it's another movie by that dude. Let's go, you know? And we did. And, Had they yeah. watched Unbreakable beforehand? No. We'll, we'll get so, to it next yeah. week. We'll yeah. get to it next week. Uh, what oh, happened that's with true. that? But, yeah. So, yeah, so, thumbs up. Thumbs up this, on this, this one. This is great. Oh, my gosh. It's good to be back. Like, <laughs> it's been a rough road the last four uh, episodes. But, man. Right. Now, so... Two weeks from now, uh, we go forward with Split, right? We jump one year in the future to 2016 to watch M. Night Shyamalan Spit. Spit? I don't want to watch that one. Split, uh, starring Anya Taylor-Joy and James McAvoy in what should have been, in my opinion, an Oscar-winning role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited to move I'm, forward, and then we've got the the Bond Bond at the end with the one that I haven't seen yet. So, yeah, we're getting there. We got this old, um, uh, no, this glass old, and then have you seen old? Yes, okay. I have seen old, and yeah. then cabin in the knock on the cabin inside the woods. So is, when when do you feel uh, we're going to announce what's next? Like we know, we've known all along what's next, but when when do you feel like we're gonna announce it? Feel free. All right, all right. So we are taking on uh, a project of madness next. Um, we have a decided project that if let's tease a little bit that if we did our biweekly schedule starting when this se- this season's gonna end, and then we had planned that the ne- the new season's gonna start in February. Uh, but that's subject to change that if we did it bi-weekly all the way through the completes 
of all of it, it would take us till September 2027 to finish. <laughs> now, we are splitting this up and we're going to have other because I don't want to just do this. I don't want to just be that podcast. So oh, no, we're going to have no. other seasons in between and we've split this season up by decades. So the, the first season is going to be through the 80s. Yes, the 70s and 80s. So we are doing the films and some miniseries, not all, because that would really be crazy, um, of uh, based on the works of Stephen King. Yeah. So we are going to start with Carrie uh, in the 70s and work our way through the 80s for the first season. Uh, and then we'll take a break and do something else for a while. Right. And then Maybe come Mike back. Maybe Mike Flanagan. Maybe Guillermo. Somebody. Yeah. And we'll do somebody. something else in between. And then we'll come back for the 90s and maybe part of the 2000s. We haven't worked out exactly how far we're going to go I, with I that like, second season. but uh, Well, I the way I've got it laid out is we'll do... So, Carrie is 76. We'll do 76 through 89. And then Misery is is 1990. And oh, so that's we'll do good. That's a good misery point. to the green mile. Um, and then, then we'd be in the two thousands after that and so on and so forth. The final season will be like just purely mini series. Uh, but you know, that's a, a long, long way off. Yeah. There is a lot when you think about it. like, there's some things that we could skip, but there's some things that I don't want to skip. Like the two versions of the stand, right? Like I well, want to, we want to do both versions of the shining and there's multiple versions of Carrie. Yes. And so, uh, I, I think that we are at risk with this season of not being as completionist as we've been in the past. But we're going to be pretty damn close, right? We've yes. got Children of the Corn, but maybe we're not going to do all of them. You know? Well, I have an idea for the Children of the Corns, and that's, uh, you know, there are, what, seven, eight of them? Like, there are a lot. There's a shitload. I was thinking we could do bonus episodes with Elliot and have him come. <laughs> like a, we can, watch them we all. can make Elliot watch every Dino Boy the corn turns movie. into Corn Kid. <laughs> so, yeah. And then there's all the TV series we're not going to watch all of the dead zone or under the dome. Um, but we, I really, we're going to definitely hit all the theatrical releases and then the big important mini series. Yes. So, um, and we're going to try to be as completionist as possible, but, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to the eighties run because I've seen maybe 50% of them or more. And I love just about all of them. Yeah, there's some, there's some. Uh, let's be real, there's some dog shit in there too, which in, will be there? fun as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. '80s. Yeah, Christine's oh, awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, Christine's anyway, awesome. Anyway, so anyway, that's but, what's coming in a few months from us. Yeah, so next season's gonna be King through the '80s, and then we'll decide on whatever seasons in between. Uh, if you uh, want to reach out and suggest a director or an idea for a season you have, you can do that. Uh, we're at chronological thing on twitter what is it uh i think right now it's chronologically m night on twitter and then yeah. uh, on facebook we are chronologically podcast yeah that's probably your best bet or even better you can reach out to eric on twitter at eric underscore hotter or myself at podcast by jeff and uh, make a recommendation that's fine now with king it may be a decade before we get to whatever it may be, but then again, if it's kick-ass enough, we'll probably bump it up. Um, yeah, and then if you want to check out 
uh, more from Eric, you can go to GamingNexus.com, check out his various reviews as well as his YouTube channel, Eric Hotter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I've said, and also my other podcast is called The Movie Draft House, where Mark and I review movies as well. Um, you can also, if you really want to adventure into the world of, of Jeff, you can look up Stinky Fart Podcast Network on your favorite podcast app. It's a son that me and my 13-year-old boy have created, and it is bonkers. Um, but listen at your own risk, and in two weeks, we will be back, and we're going to watch possibly the the only movie I think left to go that rivals the quality of the original trilogy. We're going to watch enough. Maybe it is. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Thanks, Have a good one. Bye. Eric insisted that this be included. I may be 13, may not live in the hood, may not carry no chrome, may not be allowed a cell phone at dinner, but I'm young and can do 18 push-ups, and I speak the truth. My sister tried to make a film about old people feeling dismay, but it didn't turn out that way. She hit the screen and killing got vomited in her face, chunks in her hair from a stew, but she washed them out with Herbal Essence Body Envy Shampoo. So here's a few things she done when learned from visiting elders. Adult diapers come in many in name, this attends and depends on medline and prevail, but they all the same, they keep your muscles spilling out and they keep it contained. So here's the truth, I got messed up with a killer who's truly insane, I will try not to refrain, try to overcome cut my pain cause one day it will get me my fame like 50 cent getting shot and being lame you see i gotta die but shoved in my face for half an hour i thought it was over i thought i'd be under the ground growing fall leaf clover some dude don't over me with a mower but that's not what happened you see cause all went all mental i was like mel gibson at the end of a lethal weapon rental i'm straight now i'm not gonna lie for three weeks that diaper left me like a basket case i had to use two whole dove bars on my face and one last thing and i don't mean to say again but the truth is Shit doesn't taste like chicken. Oh, Shania Twain, bitches. <laughs>